Hello there, we've been waiting for you. I'm here to tell you that the audio quality in this episode isn't the best. Back when we were recording these episodes, we might be tables didn't have the best audio recording tools, which resulted in not so good audio quality, and we apologize for that. But we do hope that our bad audio quality doesn't take away from your listening experience. But if it does, we understand. So, Feel free to jump to episode 9 and every other episode after that if you prefer better and more importantly consistent audio quality. But that's all I'm here to say. We hope you have a fun time listening to our episode and we hope to see you around. The following episode contains spoilers for The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2. If you haven't played the game or watched it, we highly recommend turning away right now. It is the year 2013. A mutated strain of the Cordyceps fungus begins infecting humans. Following what will soon come to be known as Outbreak Day, over 60% of the world's population is effectively wiped out, consumed from within by a parasite. A parasite so dangerous that a single spore is all it takes for entire communities to crumble. The last of us takes place in a post-pandemic United States, and we are put in the shoes of Joel, a man hardened by the death of his daughter and the horrors he had seen since. A battle-worn veteran of this new world, here was a man who would do anything to survive. Twenty years into the apocalypse, Joel is tasked with smuggling Ellie, a young girl miraculously immune to the disease, across the country to the Fireflies, a rebel group trying to find a cure. As they journey across abandoned and derelict states, we see the pair develop a powerful bond, not unlike a father and a daughter. However, in the final act. We see that the fireflies were not who they seemed, and the cure might have been nothing more than a fantasy. Joel, in a desperate attempt to save his second chance at fatherhood, takes Ellie away from the hospital, and thus condemns all of humanity to death. Was Joel right, or do we love a monster? Hey everyone. Welcome to the second episode of We Might Be Tables. And as you might have guessed from the prologue, today we'll be talking about The Last of Us Part 2. The prologue was intended to give all of you the basic idea of the setting that the second game finds itself in, to give you an idea or or um place the game in such a context that the following discussions and the the questions that we will eventually raise uh make sense. Yeah. In today's episode we're going to be uh breaking down the game and looking at all of its different elements everything from the technical aspects like the graphics and the gameplay to all of the moral questions that it raises and also maybe answer um whether it holds up as strong as the first game did because it's really divisive it's one of the most divisive games of this generation perhaps and i think it's going to be interesting to look at it from two different perspectives because both Devanch and I Well, Devanj has watched the gameplay, and I've played the game, so I think it's going to be interesting to look at how these two experiences are going to um, impact our understanding and liking for the game. Yeah, um, I agree, and um, I, I think this is this is uh, really important. But to anyone who hasn't played the game or watched it and intends to, we strongly recommend that you stop 
listening to this podcast right now because it's a big spoiler warning uh and we hope that you go back play the game or watch it and come back and listen to what we have uh and for those of you who haven't played it and watched it and don't intend to i'd say do like feel free to stick around because a lot of the discussions we have might interest you regardless of whether you've played the game or not okay so um i think straight like like right off the bat i think one of the most uh, fascinating aspects of the game has to be its visual element right uh, and, and i think yes. um yeah i think specifically like the graphics so i mean what do you think um like and and how do you think the graphics played into your experience of the game dude i cannot overstate this naughty dog has had such a great history with making video games i think the first last of us came out in back in 2013 uh in fact you know what the first uncharted came out in 2007 and even then naughty dog was you know ahead of their time their their visuals were stunning so you can only imagine how good the last of us part 2 is and it's probably one of the best looking games i have ever played in fact it's it is the best looking game i've ever played because um, i've never had an experience of having my playstation lag due to the graphical prowess of the game and i also remember reading that um, naughty dog really had to tone down their uh, tech to make it compatible with the ps4 because there were a lot of articles and there was a lot of news surfacing online that the ps4 could not run the game so i mean i think that's proof of how good they are when when it comes to the technical um element of their games and honestly looking at it you know experiencing it firsthand like while playing the game each and every environment every single location had something new to offer and that's what i loved the uh, unfortunately i don't have a 4k monitor but even on my you know basic screen it was stunning so i mean to answer your question it was it was spectacular what about i mean how does how does how do you think watching the game on a computer screen or a, or a mobile screen uh changes anything did you find that it was lacking in any way or were you as blown away as i was what do you think yeah no honestly i i, I don't think that i've ever um like played a game that um you know gave gave me the visual experience that i had with this game i think i started uh watching the game on my phone and i think um 2 minutes into the game i i figured that uh, i would be i would be doing wrong by the game and its developers by watching it on my phone So every night I made it a tradition to like like plug in my like my television watch it on YouTube on my big screen TV and uh because of I think the 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 coronavirus like you know we had data restrictions on YouTube and so I think the max that I could watch it on was 720p and even then I have to say it was mind blowing it's insane and you know I didn't know that I didn't know that they had to tone down the game um like the the technology behind the game for it to fit the the specifications of a PS4 and I mean now that you've said it I I just wonder you know how how great would that would it have been for you know like the graphics if if they if they'd gone like the distance and like given us everything that they have they might they might do that for the PS5 I'm pretty sure they're going to release the game for the PS5 and that's going to be something to behold I feel like everybody is talking so much about like how realistic it looks yeah um even when the first trailers dropped I think Three years ago or so, they looked amazing. Three years prior to release, if a game looks that good, you know they're doing something right. Yeah. But then again, 
this game is not only about like how realistic it looks it's also about the art and there's an option in uh within the game itself where you can look at the concept art and how they the process behind how they made the game and i think that's such a neat touch to have after you finish one particular segment of the game to go back and look at how how they made it and what kind of designs went into making it yeah if i mean i showed this to my like my my mother as well because i was so blown away by how good the game looked and i i went and showed it to her and i told her like this was um you know this is this is something i'm watching and i'm i'm pretty sure she couldn't have guessed the first time that it was a game and when i told her it was a game and she she just she said really and she said why aren't you playing it yeah <laughs> and i said i'm sorry i don't have a ps4 but i'm watching it and she was just she was absolutely blown away by how good the game looked and I'm 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 pretty sure she was disappointed that I wasn't playing it. Yeah, who wouldn't be right? Yeah. I remember thinking the same thing about Uncharted 4 as well. When Uncharted came out, uh I think the fourth part came out in 2016 or 2017 and I thought that was the peak. But clearly not and I'm just really um uh excited to see where we're going to go in the future. And it's not just these things, but it's also the details of the last of us. Um yeah. there are a lot of these uh small environmental details that Naughty Dog put in and uh for example the idle animations of what Ellie or um Dina or Abby are doing when they're just hanging around um these are the little things that you don't really notice while playing it but it yeah. adds so much to the environment and the atmosphere that you can't help but be impressed when you go back and look at it and one sort of silly but kind of impressive example that I want to point out is there are a lot of toilets in the game Naughty Dog actually went the length to I watched this video on Reddit by the way. Um Naughty Dog actually went the length to add sounds to the toilet seat moving up and down. So no way. Go, yeah, if you if you play as one of the characters and you go towards the toilet seat and you lift it up like with your gun, it actually makes like a creaking noise like a real toilet seat would. That's insane. I'm just yeah, I'm just blown away by how many little things they focus on. Yeah and I think in addition to um the smaller details I think what makes the game like like so fascinating is just the way they've created the environments right and I think one of the first uh the first times this like the the scale and the beauty of 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 the environments hit me was like right at the beginning when um you know right after the the cutscene when Joel gets uh, gets on his horse and when they start moving and you see just how beautiful uh you know the hills look the the trees and the leaves the leaves you know they they're moving so so gently and and the trees too you can you can see them move just ever so slightly and 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 the light light you know pouring in through the gaps between the leaves and those things just even though it's not uh like like while describing it it doesn't seem like it's a lot of work but you can just imagine that that's the kind of definition that you'd you'd probably be used to seeing in television and movies and not necessarily in games and that's just in, in like like crazy it's such a really good yeah it's very impressive i mean the god rays and all that and um, something that stood out to me was it's such a fantastic opening for a game right i mean they set the mood with the whole um flashback with Joel recounting what happened at the hospital to Tommy and all of that um but i can't help but wonder you know as games get more realistic and i'm addressing one of the biggest controversies that uh, the last of us part 2 has been facing ever since the trailers dropped about the violence and the brutality of the game as games get increasingly realistic 
how do these details add to the weight of the story? For example, when I'm playing as Ellie or as Abby, and I'm um, without giving a second thought to it, murdering hundreds of people, and with so much detail, not just in the environments but also in in people and and realistic gore, to be specific. Yeah. How does that change the way I play a game? And with increasingly realistic graphics, I think the threshold for digestible violence goes way down. And the problem that people have with this game, at least, is that sometimes it's too realistic, you know. Yeah. Uh, especially, I want to um, point out one particular scene in which um, Abby is at the Seraphite Island, and uh, Yara is gets her wings clipped, so to speak. You would expect that in most games, during the part where she's getting her hand clobbered, the camera would cut away, but this was ruthless. I mean, you know, scenes like that. Where does the threshold end for for violence that we can digest? I think yeah, yeah that, that's really interesting because I mean, I'm sure we'll 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 get to that uh, when and, and talk about that a bit more in detail when it comes down to why yeah. why people find it disturbing to even acknowledge that, right? And um, and that's 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 the beauty of the game too. And even though even though it asks you really really big questions about whether an action is right or wrong it it does that like subtly in these small gestures as well you you begin to be, like become conscious of your actions and even though you know you're playing a video game like the fact that those environments are created in such a realistic manner and the fact that the things that you do make you you know like it, it it makes your stomach turn because yeah, you're you're killing so someone. Yeah. Yeah, those are things that uh the game pulled off really well. Do you think you have like a particular uh a particular like set piece? segment? Yeah, set piece or like a segment of the game that you found mm. the most visually appealing. Oh, that's a tough one. But I think uh um well I'd have to say um you know, I really liked the tunnels. Mm-hmm. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? The part where uh, Ellie and Dina are, they just escaped um, the TV tower and they go down to this uh, place where like there's red light and there's a lot of clickers <coughs> and WLF. Yeah, that that bit was great. And also, um, I really like the bit where, uh, I can't remember what it's called, a uh, Ground Zero. Ground Zero where Abby oh, fights yeah. the Rat King. I think the concept art for both of those places was really good. Definitely. And, it, and really, really immersive more than anything. And one thing that I noticed about this game that they did a lot better than in the first game was how you can use your enemies against each other. Mm-hmm. So you can you can just as easily uh, attract clickers' attention, for example, and make them go towards the WLF. Right. Or like you can make these opposing factions fight each other. Whereas in the first game you could hardly ever do that, except in the DLC. The DLC actually mm-hmm. introduced this mechanic, but. I think it's a really neat mechanic that they that they capitalized on quite well. I, I feel like I, I I would regret asking you that question because you're right, it's a really tough one. Um, but I think if if I had to like like right off the top of my head, um, I think the most visually appealing was um, the the segment where they they go right like like really high up in the sky. Um, oh yes, yes, the sky bridges. The I sky bridges, that exactly. That yeah. Yeah. And they've they've created that so well. And as someone who's afraid of heights, I. Um, oh. It was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. The the possibilities are are just they they are so they're so horrible. Uh, I I was oh. very uncomfortable watching that like watching that entire like sequence. 
you know, I was reading this interview with uh, Neil Druckmann, and uh, for those of you that don't know, Neil Druckmann is one of the designers, actually the lead um, developer for this game. Right? Yeah. And I was watching an interview with him and a couple of other um, developers where they said that the idea they were going for is, um, I think you mentioned in one of our one of the conversations that we were having just you know casually that a lot of games make it make it seem like um, the world is built for the game yeah especially horror games like with zombie apocalypses and everything the world is sort of contrived for the game mm-hmm. but in this case it wasn't that way they try to stay as accurate as they could to the real world and build all the surrounding elements um, based on that so I think that worked really well with all the rivers flowing and mm-hmm. um, the trees, the foliage. All yeah. that was really good. Yeah. Like when you really think about the world that they've built, you won't doubt for a second that it's a world that's been lived in. You know, when if 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 we try to imagine like Earth as it is right now in real life being taken over by like like the cordyceps, and when you've gone years and years without you know like with vegetation growing everywhere, you'd the the game visualizes that and 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 visions that in a, in a in a really really brilliant way and one yeah, of the beautiful. yeah and and i think in addition to that like that element of what makes the world so believable is the little pieces of information that they've left behind right and now i feel like many games do this and it's it's common for them to do that to make the environment more interactive but it but this just felt more organic in this game and uh, I mean, there's there's one particular case that I wanted to talk about is um, I think when when you're still in the city and you're you're trying to run away and figure out uh, how to get um, to Dina, um, you and I, I mean I might be remembering the the timeline of it wrong, but anyway, you you enter a building and over there you find a note that was written by a pregnant woman who who writes in that letter that you know um the WLF actually no this the the Seraphites have got us like blocked and so um you know they've they've locked themselves in the room and they're pretty much restraining restricting their movement to that room. And she writes that letter and in the letter she says that I'm pregnant and I'm 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 sick and I need medicine. And so her husband goes um you know trying trying to look for medicine and that's about and, and she says you know if if you ever find him or if he ever comes back, you know I love you and uh, I, I mean I, you you would have been a great father and, and and you know things like that. And you read it and you move on, but eventually later on in this game, you you get to another like another uh, you know environment um, where there's a building that you're exploring, and you come across this letter written by a man who um, was dead in a in, in a washroom, and you you see another letter on his body and he says. Uh, my wife is sick and pregnant with our child and she's in in the building that we were just in and he and he says um you know tell her tell her i'm really sorry that i couldn't make it and that uh, you know their son um uh, yeah their son would be like a wonderful child when he grows up and he and there are medicines around yeah and i'm i teared up when i when i saw that even though we're the main characters in the game, and by we I mean you know Abby and Ellie, things like these make you make you realize that the cordyceps and, and and the bad things that have happened have affected more people than just them. You know, even their problems their problems are highlighted in the game, sure, but so much worse has happened to so many more people, and that's just insane. It's interesting you should say that because I don't um like I get that it's you know they have the creative freedom to do 
what they want and it's obviously a very emotionally heavy game but I feel like they pulled the pregnancy card a little too much mm-hmm. um, Dina was pregnant, Nell was pregnant and this other woman was pregnant um, and this is just like a very sort of nitpicky example but I feel like you know when you pull one card or like one kind of problem too much it takes away from the weight of it mm-hmm. and uh, I think we'll explore this more as we talk about like the questions that it raises and how these how the gameplay was affected and how the story and gameplay um, are intertwined but um, yeah that's an interesting point to bring up because the environmental building is really important to the game like this because it's not just one life that's affected to a right yeah apart from like the the environments themselves making the game what it is i think another part that was significant to making the game so great to me at least was how they built their characters what do you think about like the characters like mostly npcs and the other characters who were important to the story but weren't really the main focus i think uh they were good strong leads i mean they were definitely fun to play as uh, you know both ellie and abby and um, you know what bringing talking about being fun to play i think the gameplay of, of the last of us part 2 is also uh really really good and they didn't really change much from the first game it's quite similar to the how the first game played but then again the first game was near perfect you know there was like there were no hitches or unnecessary bugs so i think the, i think gameplay wise both games are spectacular and although i have to say the last of us 2 was the easier game mm-hmm. part 1 definitely had me panicking on like more than one occasion and the enemies were yeah. somehow a lot more scary and i think that's also because of you know it being a new game and it's a new environment but um i think part 2 is definitely the easier game and not just not least because of the fact that the infected are given much less importance in part 2 than they are in part 1 i think um, like when we when we talk about gameplay specifically i think um like the 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 action element of the game um makes it incredible and it flows brilliantly um so i i watched um you know Sh- Sean McLaughlin uh, Jack Septicai as he's more famously known on YouTube i watched his gameplay and any action that he did in in fights flowed naturally you know i it it wasn't there weren't many instances where i felt like the movements were that of a game if anyone were to stitch it together you know without any commentary and in a single flow you would watch it just as you would a movie and be you know amazed at how well the action was directed in that game oh yes yes i don't know if you've seen the um, gameplay trailer they not uh, released uh, a gameplay trailer a couple of years ago and even then it was it was brilliant and i also like the fact that they introduced a couple of new you know factions to not factions as much as enemies to deal with for example i really like the increased importance placed on boss fights Yeah. Um, especially with uh, the Seraphite brutes uh, the Rat King and in fact fighting Ellie herself uh, as Abby in the end um, everything just clicked right from the start and it wasn't really hard to get used to the control scheme either like you said mm-hmm. um, but honestly I wouldn't expect anything less from what is considered the most accessible video game I've ever made you yeah. know I don't like the number of accessibility settings are brilliant I've read countless stories of uh people with say impaired vision or 
um, said he recalls he having a blast playing the last first party and honestly i couldn't be prouder of the huge steps that um, they've taken for the industry as a whole and it's very important that we make games more accessible to a wider audience yeah definitely and uh, if 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 i'm not wrong i think the game received one of the highest accessibility uh, you know reviews and um, ratings than any other game um, like has ever received um so it's i mean great step forward yeah. in that in that sense putting aside the way the game flows and everything for a minute the factions and the cults that they've introduced into this game that were absent from the previous game is a lot more expansive for example um the wlf uh, and then you have the seraphites who are you know an insane cult uh, they work well yeah. in small groups and in large groups uh, personally they were terrifying i was so scared in every single section with them because mm-hmm. i think they were so well designed and that's what i love about this game is the diverse the range of enemies you know with that yeah. makes sense yeah um and then obviously you have the rattlers in the end oh, of the yeah. game they felt like you know they were always their whole vibe was like a zoned out in a trip kind of mood yeah that's 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 interesting about like you know the way they've introduced it. i think when you when you spoke about the introduction of terrifies i think nobody nobody saw that coming um you know because i think the first time you encounter them all you hear is whistling and that's honestly oh, yeah. so menacing you just you it's don't so know what it is yeah i i mean that's that's brilliant you know and all the foreshadowing all the um graffiti of their of the seraphite prophet yeah. um and all the uh, markings in the tv in the in the radio station of the tv tower or, yeah. um that section all the markings and blood and all the ha- hung bodies uh those were really terrifying as well and they build so much tension that when you finally do meet them yeah you're scared out of your wits yeah definitely and yeah you you you're drawn into this narrative of why they are the way they are right and you you see this um I mean the the holier than thou thou uh, element of of why they're doing what they're doing and it makes you wonder why they're following a leader and and the principles that they have which is which if if one were to crudely define them you you'd probably call them a cult but um yeah yeah and and I mean it only makes you wonder right if you if you've characterized such factions in in a post apocalyptic world what do you like will you have um you know um like factions like the game did or do you think that humans can ever actually you know put up a united front and not not really deviate from you know like the common good and the greater good like will is it are, are humans like designed to always create factions um and you know groups that would suit their own beliefs especially when you know the world has gone to shit there is no um you know world order no law no 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 you know like judge and jury you do what you do to survive yeah Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So, I think the world would definitely split into factions if, um, say something like the Last of Us were to happen in real life. Uh, it might be possible to create a unified, sort of peaceful community, but I don't think it's very likely, just because of the fact that there's going to be so much paranoia. It's going to be rampant. People aren't going to trust as easily. I do think the game is a little unrealistic in some in some bits where I don't think we'd actually go the extent of being as violent as the game depicts. Yeah. I don't think we'd ever be 
that brute with each other or you know split into a faction like the Seraphite so that plus mm-hmm. but i don't think we trust each other easily as well and it would be really would be really hard pressed to have a community that we do today like countries or um even states for that matter it's going to be it's just going to be pockets you know mm-hmm. i'm considering the fact that 60% of the global population is effectively wiped out in right. the game yeah you just have 40% of people left and they're definitely going to branch out into their own little communities like jackson mhm yeah and i think um like the introduction of jackson was also like an important like insight into how the world can be if if people um really tried working together so i think that's that's also particularly interesting um yeah. and i think i mean this is this isn't really related but i think uh one thing um you know Sean brought up when i was watching his gameplay is um you know this this element of um why why the game might be uncomfortable for some players right now uh because i mean the game has been in production for like like so many so many years 7 years actually. 7 years yeah and yeah. and it 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 ends up releasing you know there's a pandemic yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> and and a lot of that seems so real that you know some people might oh, find it uncomfortable yeah, yeah. too real too real so that's why yeah that's probably why people don't like it as much and also you know um another thing that i wanted to talk about was what about this game makes people dislike it mm-hmm. is the leaks there right. were actually i don't know if you're aware there there were um leaks of major plot points i think barely two months before release and i think it was like a naughty dog dev or someone who who leaked this information but they spoiled everything from Joel's death to getting the players abby and even the fact that abby is one of the stroll and all of these things combined with the fact that we have a pandemic going on right now and considering that fans have been waiting for 7 years to play a game that they thought would be the best game they've ever played mm-hmm. led to some people being disgruntled and mm-hmm. you know not liking it as much as they thought they would um but you know this leads us nicely into into a discussion about characters and yeah. whether the characters were good or bad and not just in terms of um their motivations but whether they were well designed characters or right whether they were you know interesting to analyze mm-hmm. like what do you think did you find the characters good or i mean i did i think when you when you look at characters like owen and um oh no i forget the name of um um the ca- the character who uh who was who dina was with before she was with jesse jesse yes thank you um yeah so like jesse and owen specifically um in like the earlier parts of the game when you you get introduced to them and i think i think the reason i particularly like their development is um their motivations seem genuine right and when we when we talk about owen really? specifically yeah i i mean okay. so yeah okay, okay so yeah the reason the reason i pick owen out specifically is because although owen was involved in killing you know joel he was never really completely on board with that idea and and eventually as you see when you play as abby you you realize that owen is kind of sick of this shit you know he's not uh, i mean he's been bought up with the fireflies he's been bought up with the ways of violence and that's pretty much what the wlf is continuing right that that legacy of violence and of protecting using force and you see that he doesn't want that anymore that he he just wants to you know get away from from it all and and you you see that in the way he he acts when he's been given a choice uh, you know to save someone from the seraphites and he does and 
he's betrayed you know somebody goes back and tells um you know the the leader of the WLF that he's gone rogue pretty much and you see that that his motivation to like you know like stay away from that violence specifically uh is is kind of realistic to me because abby abby much like ellie is driven by the need to get justice right um uh but you but you see him you, you see him empathize with that feeling but also you know convincing or trying to convince her to just let go because there's much more to life you know even though the world's pretty much gone to shit but there's much more to life that than just endless and you know endless violence so yeah maybe i don't know like i don't really see that much character development in either jesse or owen in fact the reason um it was so hard for me to kind of understand or empathize with a lot of actually i wouldn't use the word empathize you know like um say sympathize with too many characters is because i feel like the some of them lacked a lot of depth Mm-hmm. and one of the biggest trucks i have with this game is that there are just way too many characters right the first game was it focused on two people ali and joel and it had a good host of supporting characters like um uh, tess or bill um, i don't know if you're familiar with them but i mean there were background characters in the first game but right. it was mainly about joel and ali and they were so fleshed out and you could understand that but in the second game you have this whole host of new people and um obviously Ali and Abby I think they were fantastic even Lev was fantastic Lev and Yara both yeah but other than that I think most of uh Ali's own uh, sorry <laughs> I was going to say Ali and I said Ali um, Abby's own Raj <laughs> was I think forgettable because same Mel or Man <laughs> you know Mel's entire personality seemed to revolve around the fact that she was pregnant with Owen's child right she doesn't really do anything more than that like well mm-hmm. who was she and we don't really understand her as a person but with that said I, i think i can give mel the pass because we always see mel from abby's perspective Pretty and much. abby like abby and mel have been known to have this sort of passive aggressive psychological feud going and with all said mel is after all a background character in abby's life yeah so i think that's what they were going for and that's what they were trying to portray that mel is not as important as uh, as important to abby mm-hmm. so that's why i feel like mel's character is lacking a little bit yeah. which is fine and that works really well um if that was the intent but i can't say the same about manny because like the game repeatedly shows that abby and manny are really good friends mm-hmm. and they been friends for a long time they help each other out like a lot i mean i think they're roommates even and um, yeah but like we don't even understand who manny was you know he just he's this it seems like his whole purpose is built around the need for diversity in video games and his entire vocabulary consists of the word pendejo i mean <laughs> come on not eat out like you can do better than this right like, yeah. take for example characters like um in red dead redemption 2 characters like javier escuela he was really well written um he was he fulfilled the need uh, or the necessity for having representation in the western games but he also had his own personality and motivations and you know respect for his homeland and language and all of that culture but nani seemed like a joke to me i mean all he ever did was say pendejo and I don't know man like Manny was not really convincing for me and neither was Owen because 
his backstory was not as compelling as Abby's, obviously, because Abby was the protagonist. Yeah. But um, Owen himself didn't really seem to serve uh, a bigger purpose than to fulfill Abby's story. Yeah, I didn't really know who Owen was until maybe the last act, where his entire character was revealed. Like you know, in the mm-hmm. in the in the in the moment where he spared the Seraphite's life. Yeah. Um, coming to Jesse again, Jesse. Um, I didn't get him. I didn't really get him either. I mean, he was. Don't get me wrong. He had a likable personality, and I felt really bad when he died. But it was also easy to get over his death. Like his death yeah. didn't really mean much to me, because he mm-hmm. didn't really make as big an impact for me to remember him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this can be. This is because of his lack of personality, and we never really got to know Jesse as well. Was we would have liked to, and I think that's why he was quickly forgotten. I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, I can see your concerns with Manny and um, you know the 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 developers' choices to make the character as they did. I can see your concern with that, and and perhaps to some extent even with Jesse. But another place where I think um, like they deserve appreciation is maybe giving the factions and um, and I'm keeping. Particularly, just Seraphites in mind, just giving them a personality, um, and I say this because if you, I mean, there are small segments where, when you're approaching, you know, the the Seraphites, whether you choose to kill them or just, you know, sneak away, you 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 stumble upon some of their dialogue um, that, that the characters, um, you know, speak, and it gives you a little bit of insight into um, their lives, into their their cultures and their their traditions, and that that to me is particularly. Um, interesting because they could they could have avoided all of that you know altogether is to make the Seraphite seem like um, you know this otherworldly cult that that has no you know grounding in reality and they're doing things that you know a prophet once said you could just make them that you know that group but they chose to give them a little bit more humanity than that and you know give them reasons to do what they did um, so from that perspective I do I do commend them for even making yeah, us like consider. The- yeah, I like that they fleshed out this uh, Seraphites, and not just the Seraphites, the WLF as well, but um, focusing on the Seraphites there, um, the whole part where Lev explains to Abby that uh, yeah, um, this, the Prophet's words were kind of twisted by yeah. the, the cult, and they have now used it for their own sort of convoluted means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a really cool detail to add. Mm-hmm. So the, and the, actually, I was hoping that we'd have some like note or something that would allow us to read something that the prophet had actually written, but yeah. unfortunately we didn't. And also coming to the WLF, I think they fleshed them out really well as well because um, when you're in, say, when you're in, when you're in an encounter with them, and you kill one WLF soldier, there's they, they all have names and they talk yeah. to each other like real people do and they behave like real people do. Which was, a, which was a neat detail as well. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, so, yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, sorry to interject, but I think uh, I, I forgot to mention this. Uh, you know, in the segment, or at least when we were discussing graphics, uh, you know, it, you you just brought this up when you when you said when you kill a WLF soldier. I think I recount this um, this particular instant where uh, you know a WLF soldier was killed, and I I, I recount that. That soldier was killed near a pool of like water. There was just some water that was, uh, you know, uh, pooling up because the place was submerged. 
and where you end up killing that person and there is there is no way that that character could have been there it was just by chance that that character that npc uh, you know stumbled or ha- you know was there and when you kill them their blood seeps out and flows and merges into that pool of water so you see you know a thick accumulation of the blood by the body and then it you know faintly um, you know dispersing itself in that pool of blood and and that just made me think you know if you they could have entirely just avoided that they could have not put that in nobody would have you know come yeah. upon that yeah yeah But I, you know what? I was watching this. Um, I was reading this article, or I think it was a video the other day. Um, the blood pools differently in different environments. I think this is a strange thing to talk about, but like it's, it's a really, it's a really great detail. It pools differently in different environments. So, for example, if you're playing in a place that has tiles, the blood will pool differently in the tile than it does in like tar or cement, yeah. um, or in water, which is great. Yeah, I mean these little details, like we said, just makes it so much better. It's insane. Um, but I think um, like the one question that bothered me, and I mean, I mean, I kind of know what the game wants us to think uh, with with regards to this is when you introduce like these factions and these groups, right? Uh, coming back to this, what do you what do you think about who the good guy is supposed to be? Like who who is the good? entity in all of this when i mean speaking solely about you know introduction of factions because i mean it's it's human nature to want to affiliate yourself with the good side uh, or or to identify the good versus the bad and to and to you know appreciate the good like or the bad and not the bad so like what do you think i think to effectively answer that question we'd have to um go over the whole campaign and uh you know break down the scenes that were most impactful but i think in short um i think the good guy was the person that that questioned themselves you know mm-hmm. somebody who questions what they're doing i think that's a mark of um a good character i don't know about a good person but definitely the good character is yeah. somebody who who has the depth or the um uh I'm 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 I forget the word but the presence of mind I guess to to understand or question themselves and their actions and their motives yeah i think yeah it's interesting that you actually bring that up because i mean the more you think about it um all the factions that the game introduces us to right and when you when you really get down to 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 the crux of it everybody is just doing what they're told and that's what you pretty much expect in a world that needs order right you'd find a group that gives you that and you follow all that they do and and oftentimes you forget to to pause and ask yourself like whether what you're doing is is even right and i think they gave they tried to give that and present that element um, you know pretty well and make you make you really make you really work hard for it and and after a point you just you just figure that <laughs> you know everybody is just terrible <laughs> they're doing things that we find you know like horrible if you think about yeah and yeah, man. but then dude but like what do you think about the overarching story do you think it was presented well or not so well because um, i feel like whatever we're addressing right now ties back to um how the story was told and i think we both have very different opinions about that yeah i agree um so i mean i think um 
from a, from okay so so if if i if i go down to the most simplest element of like the way the story was told which was uh like considering the temporal element i think it was it worked for me right i understood that they they placed it in a smaller time frame and that worked uh but but the thing that i'm pretty sure uh was was the was you can call what you can call like a tipping point for most players um was playing as ellie for like the major part of the game the character that everyone loves right playing as ellie and then like being jerked back to like almost the beginning and playing as abby and to me i see that they like why they did that right and to me i i particularly enjoyed their move or or appreciated even their move to do that now i mean i can see how as a viewer i would find that more appealing than say a player of the game would because um you know it's not just the story that's being thrown back temporally it's also the 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 skill sets that you have and i mean like the weapons that you have but honestly i think that i mean it worked for me because of what they were trying to do and i mean i'll i'll probably add more to that once like you tell me why you think like i mean what you think about that yeah see um i don't think the shift from ali to playing from playing as ali to playing zabi was too jarring at least in terms of gameplay mm-hmm. um because the controls are obviously the same but i didn't really miss having uh, ellie's upgrades and such like you mentioned because uh, abby, abby arguably had the better weapons i mean dude she was badass <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it was fun to upgrade her skill tree from scratch you know hunting for collectibles and looking for uh, trading manuals and upgrading is it's a lot of fun so i don't think it was that jarring in terms of gameplay um it was only jarring in terms of story but i'm going to get to that in a bit Moreover, Abby had three allies for the first chapter of her sequence. She had Manny, Mel, and um, Alice to to help her out. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, in terms of difficulty, it wasn't that um, uh, hard to get used to the jump. But then again, um, coming to the story and how I think it was, I, I didn't. I don't think it worked that well when it came to the story because, first of all, I think the last was. Um, part two is quite long. It's it's almost unnecessarily long. I think the campaign is about twenty five hours or so, twenty five twenty six hours. Not that long. And I think it could just as effectively have been told in like twenty or twenty two hours. Um, and I'll tell you why. That's because there's a lot of fluff, and. not throughout the game but i think the fluff is mainly concentrated towards the end where ali goes back out to kill the rattlers like that whole section i think was quite unnecessary okay to to put this to put this well i'm going to have to um tell you uh a little bit of what i thought about joel's death and you know how that was executed yeah um so there are several things uh, leading up to joel's death that didn't make sense to me mm-hmm. um Obviously none of these things that I'm going to tell you now limited my enjoyment while playing the game. Yeah, no doubt. But I retrospectively feel like I haven't played the best version of the game that I that I think it could have been. Um so in the moment it was all great, but I feel like it uh, on closer analysis it 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 felt a little lacking a little bit. Um the most glaring problem of course was kind of the Uh, metaphorical death of Joel, uh, by which I mean the killing of this character. Um, the way Joel's death was executed, 
was really bad in my opinion um what do you think actually wait what do you think uh, how did you like or how yeah, did you think, not like joe's joe's stuff i don't i think this is these are like the two main places where we disagree um the reason why i don't think that i mind i mean i minded i guess the way that joel died was because i think at first okay so i think it needs to be like made clear that i'm not I, I, like going into the game i wasn't as connected to the characters right and i mean that's that's clearly a big part of why joel's death seemed out of place but having considered what um you know sean said so while playing the game um sean like has been a pretty pretty big follower of the game and he said that uh he didn't find the game uh, i mean not the game but uh, joel's death to charing was because it made sense for him to not react in a defensive manner right and i've seen i've seen multiple arguments about why joel wouldn't have died the way he did um you know you bring in the first game of, about how he's so alert that he doesn't trust anyone at all uh you know and he's always yeah, on exactly top that's exactly what i was going to say as well you know i'm sorry let me just point out this yeah, one yeah. instance in uh, in the first game where joel and elliot are going down this highway right they're in a car and they're all, like they're going to um, the fireflies and it's after they got the burn and everything and they come to this sort of crossroads where one side is blocked but they have to go that way so they take a detour and they go another way and i think a few kilometers in joel and nelly see this man like he's walking down the road and he's injured like he's he seems to be injured at least and keep in mind that joel is a good 30 or 40 feet away inside a car and he can tell immediately he can tell immediately that that's a trap like he knows that the man is not injured and he wasn't injured it was a trap and joel can tell that like instantly because joel was a part of one such criminal group you know then when he was younger yeah. so joel from the first game can identify a trap from a mile away but joel from the second is not able to identify a trap when it's when it's looking at him with a shotgun so i feel like that's a little inconsistent in his character's writing but yeah. also the fact that um tommy and and the fact that the wlf group um but to me nabi and mel nora nolan they react to joel stating his name mm-hmm. but they don't react to Tom, tommy stating his name so they enter the room tommy says hey i'm tommy then joel says hey i'm joel but they react only to joel's name mm-hmm. but it's revealed later in the game that tommy was their primary lead so they got to joel through tommy but they don't react to tommy's name so i found that a little weird like mm-hmm. not he dog missed the details so it's kind of inconsistent with both of their writing right yeah okay so amazing yeah you know i agree with like just this this last point that you made um i mean i guess that's that's just an oversight uh by yeah. by in in terms of writing but i think there there are two reasons why i don't like like i i disagree with you strongly right So so think about it so first and the the smaller reason uh is i don't really think that uh you know the setting up of Joel's death was really a trap now the reason i think that is because they encountered abby in a situation where it was either do or die right so so abby wasn't there on intention abby was there by mistake abby was never meant to be there sure she was looking for joel and sure she would have eventually like reached him but that was not where she you know aimed to meet him and so when they when they actually met there it was 
Abby wasn't present or in that moment Abby didn't mean to harm Joel which is why it would probably seem like that situation where you know the um, you know the the zombies like I forget that name I'm so sorry the, the, the zombies gonna, yeah the infected exactly the infected come out and it's pretty much do or die you know they they have to get out of there they 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 don't have enough time to think about why Abby was there in the first place or you know who she is and even when they do get to a safe location it it you can't immediately tell right off the bat that this could be a trap is because they've been it it's suspicious no doubt and they could have perhaps shown suspicion on Joel and Tommy's part much better but they reached the settlement which shows no sign of it being a trap right um so that that being the smaller element of why i don't like agree with you and the second more the more the second more compelling reason for me is the introduction of um the place where he's lived for so long right um jacksonville that is that that's the name jackson just jackson just jackson i'm sorry jacksonville yeah. um but jackson right he's been he's been there for quite a while and after they got there they've been pretty much safe and this is not i must admit it, it it's not an original thought i mean sean brought this up when he was discussing why he didn't really mind um, joel's death and i think that makes sense when you think about it retrospectively is because joel while protecting ellie from when she was little right he he's never really had a place that would be secure he's always been you know like on edge making sure everything's okay any any place could be danger but once they reached jackson everything was relatively stable you know their life kind of changed their life wasn't actively seeking like comfort i mean it wasn't actively looking for a place to you know survive the night or or even you know get to the next place their life changed their life was now like you know g- carrying out patrols maybe farming you know doing the more menial things about and 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 doing the things that would ensure the survival of jackson they weren't as motivated to do to survive so to speak they were still apt you know and and really really sharp uh, hunters and and people who who knew what they were doing but over the years when you don't have that active threat looming over you your senses right, and so, like yeah yeah they've softened up a bit you exactly yeah they've softened up because right now like everything that they do right now is not does not present an active threat to them and i think that that and when you you know add his complications with ellie right uh, and complications in their relationship what he cared about after reaching jackson was how ellie treated him and what that meant for ellie and him in terms of you know whether she treated him like a father or not he cared more about his relationship more than you know her surviving because now he knew that they were in a better place that that she would survive and he had more you know support in terms of community in terms of family you know tell me around so all of those things i like, com- like combined make me you know compel me to believe that joel was in a better place emotionally in in you know in security and and all of that which would make him a little more trustworthy too and at least that's that's my motivation going into believing joel's death a little more trusting yeah yeah uh, yeah i think that's a good point that's a good it's a good way to look at it yeah i mean i I guess I see where that line of reasoning is coming from but um I also feel like we need to uh I mean it's it that line of reasoning works well for me when when I consider that or when I believe that um Naughty Dog did not execute the scene the way they did for example um 
what I mean is, if Naughty Dog had actually put their put as much detail into that scene um, as they did with the rest of the game, and actually constructed it in a way that was believable. For example, even you said the scene was suspicious for sure. I think both Joel and Tommy, if even if it was a little bit suspicious, they would have um, done something about it. I don't know, like run behind a sofa. I don't mind the fact that Joel died. You know, like I I. I don't subscribe mm-hmm. to the notion that all fan favorite characters have to continue surviving because I think that's just fan service and that's kind of dumb. So the story, and in, in fact, when the first few trailers came out, I knew that either Eddie or Joel was gonna die. Mm-hmm. It seemed almost definite considering how the previous game ended. But um, then again, I feel like the execution of the death should have been more in line with. Uh, with the narrative, um, like I said, I, I feel like um, we could talk about how they could have executed the scene and talk about very little specifics over and over again. But um, I understand where like your line of reasoning is coming from, but I can't help but be disappointed a little bit with with the way the whole thing was carried out. And this leads me to a sort of larger um, problem: is that Abby, right? The whole mm-hmm. story of Abby. Um, when she's introduced, the first thing we see her do is kill Joe. Mm-hmm. I mean, effectively, that's the first thing she does. I mean, apart from running away from infected and all that. Mm-hmm. So, in the eyes of the audience who have grown up with Joel yeah. and come to see him as a good guy, even though he wasn't, say, morally good. Yeah. Um, they, the audience have come to see him as a good guy due to mere exposure because they've been exposed to him for a whole game before this. Yeah. Um, the first thing that Abby does is shoot him, mm-hmm. and not just shoot him, she tortures him with a golf club, and then kills him in front of Ellie, who is clearly in despair and 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 is begging for her to stop. So in the eyes of the audience, Abby has already been painted as a villain. Yeah. So no matter how noble or good she seems in the rest of the game, Abby is only ever going to be known as the woman who killed Joel. Um, and I feel like it's very hard for some of the audience to. I mean, personally, I did find Abby very compelling, and yeah. um, she was a great character to play as, and mm-hmm. she became one of my favorite characters towards the end. But I say character because I don't. I still don't like her as a person because of all the things that she did. Right. Um, and I feel like that's where some of the audience is having a problem between differentiating between Abby as a person and Abby mm-hmm. as a character. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, but but I um but I guess in a more deeper sense, I disagree. Um, and and by that by that I mean that that particular element of making Abby seem like the bad person from like like right right, right from the beginning, I think that's what made. You know the the moral complications in the game ever so exciting. You know because immediately you know that Abby is the bad person. You're you're made to feel this 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 anger and this this hatred towards this character that you've only been you know familiar with in the last hour or so, and and you you instinctively want to hurt that character. But and I think this will eventually tie into the place where we were, which is the switch, right? And I think. The reason that switch, I believe, worked was because they made Ellie out to, uh, sorry, like Abby out to be the bad person, and I, I feel like the, the reason they did that was was brilliant. Is because 
like you said joel was never a good person he was sure he was caring he cared about ellie but he did all things that would take off any person who cared about the morally right thing to do when we compare his actions in terms of the good they did versus the bad they did you'd see that pretty much all of his actions did bad like much worse and and of course this is arguable but his one decision yeah, could have caused arguable, yeah 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 but his like one decision could have made the difference between saving humanity and not saving humanity and and keeping all of those things in mind you know the first game makes you empathize and not just empathize it makes you love Joel and Ellie and especially Joel because you start to see him as a good person but the truth still remains the same is that just because you're associated and you know that character for so long doesn't change the fact that they're still bad and i feel like the reason i disagree with players who who are so disappointed is because you get to see why abby is good right abby's motivations to end up killing joel are just as compelling if not much more compelling than ellie's motivation to end up you know trying to kill abby it makes perfect sense um but i definitely agree with that i feel like abby's um full deal with wanting to kill joel is definitely more uh realistic than ellie's because um i mean obviously i'm a i would be lying if i said i wasn't a huge ellie joel pair fan like mm-hmm. i think they're one of the most iconic pairs in gaming history and i i really like ellie as well but she knew joel for maybe what 5 years or so yeah but ali grew up with abi i said ali abi abi grew up with her dad and yeah. I, i do agree with you there but um where i think the differences start is where i i still don't think abi was a good person because she um not only does she, and it just goes back to all the things that she's done you know i'm not not saying that ali or joel are, are good people either but mm-hmm. uh, if you, if if we really have to compare um Abby's character and Ellie's character. I think Ellie was a lot more uh humane. Yeah. I wouldn't say human, but she was a lot more humane in what she did. For example, she did not torture people. Right, um, yeah. she did not uh another example that comes to mind is Ellie being visibly and terribly distraught when she finds out that Mel is pregnant. Yeah. But Abby doesn't give a second thought to it. She she actually says good when she finds out that Dina is pregnant when mm-hmm. she wants to kill her. So I think these little things that Abby does that makes her seem like a monster really sticks with people and yeah. this is this is easily overpowering the fact that um we are made to empathize with her throughout the the, the second half of the game mm-hmm. because it's very easy to continue hating. Yeah. And it's not that easy to start yeah. like loving someone. Yeah. Um and here's where I think the pacing could have been a little different. So I understand that the point of the game was not to make us love Abby or hate, um, hate Abby or the same with Ellie. The point was to make us realize that there are two sides the same to every story. But with that said, I think the pacing was way off and they could have restructured the chapters to make it flow better. Uh for example, how how I would have um done it is how to start the game with uh say young ellie side of the story in chronological order mm-hmm. both the present looking for guitar strings and the argument that said marries and all of that 
And with this history in mind, now that we know what happened between Ellie and Joel, mm-hmm. we switch to Young Abby. Like we start with her at the zoo, um, at the park, uh, she sees the zebra, and all of those things happen. She she sees him dead. She joins the WLF, meets Owen, um, and then we continue her part of the story until the until the scene where she finds Owen and Mel murdered at the aquarium. Yeah. And then you switch to Ellie, like from the beginning, yeah. where she goes on patrol with Dina and um, mm-hmm. uh, her whole deal with the Seraphites. So that whole thing happens, and then in the end, you have you have the climax at the theater where Ellie fights Abby or Abby fights Ellie. Mm-hmm. And in this part, you switch back to Abby. So now you've seen both of their stories, and I think this would have flowed much better because it would allow you it would allow you to sympathize a lot more with her. Her actions make a lot more sense, and you she wouldn't be hated right from the get go. So, I know that rooting for Ellie throughout the game is is a result of exposure, just like Joel. Yeah. But if we had if we had been told Abby's story um, before we saw her kill Joel, I think it would have softened the blow a little bit and worked better as a sort of psychological tool. Um, so yeah. I mean, this is a, this is at least how I would have done it. Then, mm-hmm. while playing as Abby. You know, and you know one more thing that would have worked we, while playing as Abby, we would have thought that all of the killing was done by Tommy, because right. that's what Abby thinks. Mm-hmm. But then playing as Ellie would make all the pieces fit like a like a puzzle, and it would be so satisfying to see. And, yeah, uh, I think that's I think that would have been a good way to uh, have 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 the sequence of events play out. I can see in terms of the appeal of the game and and the response that the game got from its audiences and um to be to be quite frank I don't I don't support the people who played the game um in 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 the sense that the people who reacted negatively uh did so out of pure spite and out of out of this this aggression towards the death of uh you know the, the aggression that was born out of this you know the death of their their favorite character which is Joel and they they responded so negatively to the game itself and i mean i'm sure we'll get to this eventually and talk about what it meant for the voice actors who played these characters but i think i think um, by 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 virtue of making abby seem like the bad guy from from the get go i think um i think that that point went amiss you know making you question yourself and your decisions and your motivations and you know your uh, your preferences where they stand and make you make you feel torn you know make you feel pulled and i think that's uh, although they tried to do that i feel like they could have uh, like you said maybe that would have been a better way to do it yeah they could have restructured it um, yeah but you know um another thing that bugs me is like it, and this bugs me a lot they could have they changed so much of Ellie's character and not just Ellie's character actually I, I feel like Ellie and Abby both have this have this thing going where they they never really try to understand each other mm-hmm. you know that just irks me so much because Ellie when she was 14 um in the first game that is she's shown to be like emotionally mature yeah. she is a mature person like she's not naive she's definitely young and you know still inexperienced but she definitely wasn't naive but in the second game we never see her really display much of this maturity she's always in this single minded space where she wants to kill kill and kill yeah um she never really tries to understand abby's point of view and neither does abby like abby right. just wants to kill ali 
um this kind of single minded brutality that mm-hmm. both the characters the main characters display was kind of annoying because i mean how far are you going to go without realizing that all your actions are uh causing so much pain and suffering yeah. and speaking of changing ali's character this is just a minor thing in the in the boss fight with ali like abi versus abi um, fights ali at the theater mm-hmm. that is not how ali would approach a situation like that yeah, like they they dumb down her ai just for the sake of gimmick yeah. but anyway um uh speaking of violence i would have liked to see some sort of uh, duality between both of them like am i doing the right thing or am i not right finally Yeah. yeah. No, I mean yeah, just a, just a quick sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Just a, just a quick note on that. I do think that there were just like some elements of it when you read uh, Ellie's diary. There's just yeah, some yeah. there are some yeah, perhaps hints to that to that struggle in, internally, but I feel like I agree with you. There should have been like a little more. Yeah, a little more. And yeah. um the whole sequence like I mentioned at the beginning, I I, I don't think the um entire final sequence with the rattlers really makes sense at all. I feel like they should have just ended the game where Ellie and Dina are at the farm and they have JJ and that's right. it. Like Tommy doesn't convince her to go out after Abby again. I think that that sequence was quite pointless. Yeah. And doesn't really do anything to contribute to the whole narrative because Ellie should have and would have understood that mm-hmm. violence begets violence yeah. and enough is enough. Especially after seeing Tommy lose an eye, he's he's now disabled. Um like he's i think he's lost a leg i think yeah um, jessie's dead joel's dead so she she should have understood by that time and it doesn't really make sense for her despite her ptsd to go out after joel uh, sorry go out after after abby one last time mm-hmm. and if the game wanted to show abby i mean if the point of the game was to sh- point of that scene was to show abby in a in a helpless and sort of weakened state they could have done that a lot earlier even if they wanted to it's not necessary but if they wanted to they could have done it earlier because the whole scene with the rattlers was was um, not needed in my opinion yeah. no i think i'm totally with you on that i think um i mean uh two things that 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 stood out to me particularly in terms of why uh when we think about like morality and like specifically like ellie's moral actions right is is, is this this idea of of revenge and honor right um um i mean the revenge is the more the more obvious one but honor in terms of uh you know honoring the person who's died i think the the the, the moment when joel uh, sorry tommy comes back to the farmhouse and he says you promised this to me right you you owe yeah. this much to me and and it would and i think he he also insinuates that it's it's honorable to like keep up your promise and and joel deserves at least that much yeah, he deserves he says you don't you don't owe him anything i really like that line yeah that's i think that's that's brilliant because um you know this idea of what what like we owe to the greater cause and to to just if 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 Ellie had just stopped at that moment and questioned what Tommy had said and not be flown by like you know flown in like this this current of what she owes to to a dead person right maybe that yeah. may have changed the current of the game and I and from a purely gameplay perspective I think like I I I'm absolutely with you on that I think going back and killing rattlers and and finding abby in that weakened position i i felt like that was just doing uh, and i mean this is perhaps a strong sentiment but i feel like that was just doing fan service because you you want to in in the last moments of the game you want to give ellie the stronger position right you want to make yeah. ellie the person yeah. who's merciful and not exactly. abby exactly 
that's exactly what i think yeah that's that's very well put and um you brought up tommy and his character was so well written i think yeah. he was really well done because his whole um conflicted nature about abby and joel's death and in the beginning um when when joel just died tommy is actually the one who's trying to restrain ellie from going out after abby he tells her not to go and he tells her that they're safe in jackson and all of that but he he obviously goes out but he tells maria to stop ellie from going out but then we have the end where tommy is the one who's desperate and he's the one who comes to ellie for help yeah. so i think that sort of switch was really really fine and um uh i wanted to bring up one last thing that kind of um didn't make sense to me in terms of ellie or joel's characters yeah. which was in the first game um both of them were really really vocal like they both had really expressive attitudes towards each other and towards everything everybody else as well but the uh the point um what the point rather the uh one of the motivating factors of their um whole journey uh to the fireflies was that Ellie had to be safe she couldn't she couldn't die i mean obviously so Joel and Ellie had to communicate really well yeah and where i'm going with this is that Joel and Ellie both made sure that they were heard they were both really good listeners as well no doubt but they they were also very vocal and expressive with their thoughts mm-hmm. however in the second game we see that Joel is not really like that he he says what maybe 20 or 30 words in all and um, we don't really see him tell Ellie everything that he's thinking especially in the um, the penultimate scene like the party scene yeah where Ellie comes back and tries to make things up with Joel mm-hmm. uh he doesn't really tell her what went through his mind when when he was uh, extracting her from the fireflies he just says well i would have done it all over again but why i mean ellie never really bothers to understand why he did anything she just sees him as the villain and i think yeah. ellie really should have um, i mean seeing as the game depicts her as this mature person she should have tried to understand where he was coming from and ellie was also aware of the fact that joel lost the doctor um yeah that's uh, a big 25 one. or so yeah so she was aware of the fact that he lost the doctor and that she meant a lot to him as a sort of second daughter but she doesn't really care about any of that and i would have liked to see their relationship be built up a lot more than it was in the yeah. game that we have there's there's no there's no like you know finding an answer to that or, or even like something but i think yeah. um, I, i mean there's not there's not much to discuss particularly after this but Here's a thought that I want all of you listening to perhaps have right what would what would you do if you knew that you were the cure to cordyceps you know if you were the cure to something that has wiped off 60% of the population and the person who's closest to you he saves you and in doing so takes the chance and also kills the last perhaps neurosurgeon in the world and takes away the chance of the world ever coming back to the way it is how would you react how would you put yourself in that position Thank you.